Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Ah, church, so good to be with you. We're in week, really, almost four or five when we talk about this whole unshakable life that we're jumping into. And today's question is right on track. Honestly, we're where we've been. It's almost like a bonus to this Matthew chapter 7 scripture. And we have a question for the day. It leads us right into it. How do you build an unshakable financial life? Now, I'm fired up to be here. Are you ready? You fired up? I can't. Let me hear you. Across all, I'll get you ready. You weren't ready. Well, you actually, you were ready. Across the campuses, at home, 12-stone home, online community. See, you got to be ready for what God has for you. So are you ready for what God has for you? Can I hear you? Yeah. Because God's got stuff for you today that will change your life. If you'll walk in it, how do you get a unshakable financial life? Who doesn't want that? And it comes right into this question of, can I buy happy? By the way, buy happy. Can I buy my happiness? That was happening back in Solomon when he tested it out, and you see it unfold in the book of Ecclesiastes. That's through the book of Proverbs and all the wisdom that God gave us that even applies to financial life. That was the people trying to buy happy in the time of Jesus, and nobody has the options historically like we do today, where you can get happy delivered to your home like the next day. Amen for Amazon. We appreciate you. Like when we drive up, do you do this? When we drive up and we see a box, we're like, it's Christmas. Do you do that? Oh, we do. And, and then we like fight, uh, whose name's on it? Ah, oh, it's you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> buy yourself Christmas any day, anytime. But can you really buy happy? And that drives us right back to the scripture that we've been looking at this month. Matthew chapter 7. Let's go back to Jesus' teaching. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. He goes on. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash." When Jesus says, therefore, you have to figure out what is it there for. He's referring to all of the teaching that preceded. See, this is a wrap, like a, like a flour tortilla on a burrito. This is a wrap. I lost some of you. This, he's like, oh, this is a wrap. And the contents of the wrap, like the, the burrito innards, the good stuff is Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. He's saying this house illustration is kind of a, a, a tortilla around all the content of the three previous chapters, which includes in the heart of it this, this dialogue, like in chapter 6. You know all of chapter 6 has only really two subjects? It, it has on this side the subject of, of prayer and fasting, and then on this side, the subject of money. 
right? Like, like how you feel about money, how you manage money, how you, how, how you give money, how money affects you, materialism, the, the worry, the anxiety that goes with it all. In fact, it just, it's, it's just interesting that about 36% of chapter 6 is on prayer and fasting, and, 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 and about 64% is around money. And that's curious and interesting. That's not just true in that chapter. It's true in the whole of Scripture. I don't know if you know this, but around 2,500, there's around 2,500 verses in the Bible around money. How you earn it, how you manage it, how you spend it, how you save it, how you give it, what it does to your soul, worry, possessions, your sense of contentedness, the budgeting. I mean, it's all wrapped around about 2,500 verses. And there's only about 500 verses on, on prayer and faith. Now, that's not because prayer and faith is less relevant. It's because, listen, it's because money is a spiritual issue. Just jot it down. Just get this in your head and your heart. Money is a what? A spiritual issue. Money is what? A spiritual issue. See, it reveals what you really believe. You manage money according to what you believe. It reveals your faith. It reveals your heart. So all these scriptures around the subject of money are really faith expressions. So get your financial house in order. In fact, even inside the Sermon on the Mount, the contents of this kind of wrap and how you build your house, Jesus said this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, that's really fascinating. Because unlike most things in your life, money competes for the role of God. Whether you see it or not. Spiritual issue. And there is far more weight to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 that while we've been in that scripture for an unshakable life, there's more weight than we've tapped into. And we're going to tap into that. By the end of today's teaching, you will see the weight that we have yet leaned into. The weight. The what? Weight. Not. Not, not W-A-I-T, I got to wait for it, which you will, but the weight, W-E-I-G-H-T, there is spiritual depth and weight, and I want you to see it by the end of today's teaching, but we're going to put a little smile along the way to help you see it, so we have a little bit of fun. Here's how we're going to have some fun. Since we've got a house illustration, we're talking about money, let's have a little competition throughout the teaching. A little competition would look like this. We're going to have a Lego house build. The only way you win is by building the tallest Lego house, however tall you can get it in the time of my teaching. We're going to have two teams of two. We're going to have dads versus dads. Little Lego house build. How many of you have ever played with Lego? Hands up anywhere and everywhere. You've ever played or your kids are played? Okay, this is pretty much everybody. Jesus would have had his hand up. I mean, it's, it goes back that far. A lot of fun. Our kids enjoyed Lego. We played the Lego stuff with them. Honestly, Jaden, our last one, who's now 19, if I could sell his Lego, I could retire. I mean, he's got that much Lego. 
And like, I'm good, I'm out of Lego. But then what happens is, now I'm a grandpa. And I gotta tell you, these right here, honestly, I didn't have to create this. These are my Legos. This is, it's not even Legos, it's Lego. These are the, because I now have grandchildren. And there's this Lego Speed Champion series, and I love cars and motorcycles. And I'm like, this is, oh, I'm building, so I'm buying ahead and building these with my grandboys. Praise Jesus. Now, I'm not going to confess that, Marsha, and I have binge-watched Lego Masters. I'm not going to own that. Though that we're empty nesters, so we can. But I will tell you this. The best build on Lego Masters happened in the Australia Lego Masters. This is what they built. Check this out. Come on. Full life-size Harley-Davidson. Now, that's how you want to do life. If you're going to build a Lego, don't build a house. Build a motorcycle. By the way, this happened in the episode next. Check this out. It's like you guys will get a chance to have a look at this in a moment, but even the brake levers, oh. even the brake levers work. The suspension and the engine on this. Oh, God. oh no! No! Oh. What have I done? <laughs> it took 135 hours to build. We'll just leave that right there. We're building a house, and we're doing it with two teams. And what do you win? You win 500 bucks if your team wins. Now, it's two, two Home Depot. We got to play with the money and the two $250 Home Depot cards that go. And I've already picked the first team, the the staff team, Travis and Jeremy, come on out. Let's give it up for Travis and Jeremy. They're going to be one team. Here we go, boys. Travis and Jeremy, you're building one house, one yes, Lego house. Right. I told you, find another yes. couple yeah. of guys. Did you pick them, or do we I did. need to pick them now? No, nope, we got two guys. We got Bert and Mike. You guys, come on up. Bert, Bert Mike. Mike. Give it up for Mike. Mike. There's Mike right come there. Where's Bert at? Bert, come on come up. On up. Come on up on stage. Wow. Here we go. Get on this side. Bert and Mike. Come on, man. Here we go. You guys introduce yourselves to each other. Here's how it's going to work. You guys come over here. Just go ahead and get your spot. Here's the deal. You guys, you have directions there. Yes. You have your building. You got your options. You got your Lego. You're going to build a house. I'll give details. You guys are going to come over on this side. You guys have your comfortable standing position, you know, sitting too long, it'll mess with the back. Maybe that's just old people. Maybe we should, okay, so here's what you got. You got your Lego, you got, you got your foundation, you got to move this stuff around, you got, and, and I put some details here so you'd know. Tallest Lego wins, two $250 Home Depot gift cards. Is that of interest to you? Come on, yeah, Jesus is in that. Uh, then you ha in your house, you got to put an opening for one door. Okay, so it, it doesn't have to be an actual door, just an opening. I don't care how big it is. It can be a dwarf door. It can be a big door. Uh, this is Okay, opening for window, each one on, one on each side. So, you know, just four sides of the house. Three of it has to have some kind of hole for a window. You guys are listening over there, right, Travis? Don't be cheating. Don't be start. We didn't say start yet. No other windows or doors required. Beauty does not matter. It can be ugly. It does not matter. You got to put a roof on it by the end. You see what that says? Whisper. So as to minimize distraction while PK is teaching. Because the main thing is not here. Travis, the main thing is not you. Okay, main thing is me. Me in the middle. Okay, uh, and then I'll interrupt you along the way, and we'll see how you're doing with progress. We'll measure it at the end. You guys got it? 
All right. Ready, everybody? Everybody cross campuses? Are you ready? Can't hear you. Are you ready? I'm going to say one, two, three, and then we're all going to say go. You ready? One, two, three. Go. All right. They're going to start building. And while they start building, we're going to come right back to our question. Now, we have important stuff. How do you build an unshakable financial life? You know, I've been teaching here for 35 years. 35 years on biblical principles, which includes and applies to your financial life. How do you build an unshakable financial life? Uh, Marsha and I have been pouring that into our kids. And the team asked, what have you taught your kids all these years? I mean, tell us. You've been doing this for a long time. I thought, you know, that's a good question. So instead of me guessing, I know what I taught them. I think I know what I taught them. I know what I taught. I don't know what they caught. So I started this week, and I texted my four kids, put them on the thread, and I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just pour out long texts, and I got books. Uh, what did you learn from home church about finances? Now I have a 34-year-old who's married with kids, a 33-year-old. She's married with kids. I got a 28-year-old single, a 19-year-old single. What have you guys learned along the way? Here's a summary, including some of their just texts that I put in. These might be interesting for you to just either jot down or snap a picture. I'm not really going to teach them. I'm just going to summarize them. 10, 10, 80 was a big one. This is what they like all four. When 10, 10, 80s was a big one. First 10% to God. You always have it. Here's one of them texted. You always have it to give when God is first. If you don't have it to give, it's because he's not first. Save 10%, live on margin. 80% for lifestyle, which includes tax, housing, transportation, food, clothes, fun, etc. Here's another one they summarized. What did you learn? Always live below your means. Always live below your means. Just get hold of this. Always live below your means. Spend less than you make. When I wanted something, I had to save up until I could afford it. I could have anything, but not everything. Come on, are you getting this? Third, choose and be content. Chores while earning an allowance was a great way to learn about money. I could not get my allowance until I finished all my chores and studying. As a kid, I learned to make money, choose what I wanted, and be content. On vacations, you gave us our own money for treats and toys. Then we quit asking for stuff, and all of a sudden, we all spent less. This is fascinating. This little trick, parents... We, I, we take our kids on vacation, like whatever the vacation, we had a camper and pop-up camper and all this, and we'd go places, and we did, we did Disney that way, and they're always like, can we have something, can we have something, can we have something, how many persons already know what I'm talking about, and they drive you nuts, like, you know what, I'm going to leave you home next time I do a family vacation, because you're just driving me nuts, and then I had an idea, I, I spend X amount. What if I give them half of that in cash at the beginning of the trip and say, if you want to buy treats or you want to buy toys, you can. But when you're out, you're out. Budget your own money. Do you know what? They look at stuff. I want that. And then they'd hold their, look at their money, look at the, yeah, but I want my money. <laughs> they, when it's my money, they spent it freely when it was theirs. Come on, Right. Right? Anyhow, I'm, I'm getting off track. I'm supposed to stay on that. Building emergency account. The first 10% to God was forever sealed as a good habit for us. One row, we've never missed. The second, however, 10%, save has proven really hard because life keeps taking it. Anyone? Anyone know what they're talking about? At least we're honest about it. But we've learned to build an emergency account to cover the unexpected and live with margin. You know why? Because the unexpected should be expected. You're like, man, bad stuff is happening. Everybody. Everybody, I didn't expect that. Happens there, but let's keep going. Five, earn it. Say it with me. Do what? 
earn it. You made us get jobs as teenagers. I was frustrated as a teen that you made us pay for things. Like part of the cell phone, half the car, uh, and the insurance. No, I was an adult before I realized people had monthly payments on cars. I thought everyone paid cash. Because I told them the car you can afford is the car you can cash out. Serious about the debt impact. Coming into adulthood, I knew I could not afford a lot of the things the culture says would make me happy. Nor was I owed them. I'd have to earn them. Huh. Six, be generous. In addition to tithe 10% God first, we watched you pay for people's meals, give to people in need. You even kept cash in the wallet ready to give away. It marked me. More texts. Seven, protect savings. Never, ever. This is how one of them put it in caps. Never, ever touch savings, especially from your stuff. Don't be trivial. Don't waste it. This is part of how you build stability in your life. Unshakable in storms. Use savings to stay out of debt and or compound interest. In other words, when you get that savings, yes, you're going to sometimes use that to crawl out of holes you dug in, but be careful and protect that. Eight, despise debt. Never accumulate credit card debt. Never. It'll kill you. It's a hole you got to dig out of if you do. Avoid debt for car. I know that's not easy, but over time, what you want to do is you want to live with such discipline that eventually, if you got yourself in a debt of hole, a hole of debt, you take that money and you start paying off your small debts and you snowball it until you pay off the next debt until over time. I mean, Marsh and I know we live this, by the way. By the way, we didn't know this when we started. <laughs> How many people have ever done financial stupid? I just want to get it off our chest. Just, okay, my hands up, my other hands up. I have the gift. This is how I learned it. Caution with house debt. You just to be inside and pay your debts. Do what? You owe them, you pay them. That's why I should take them seriously. Well, you know what? Those are, those are eight great thoughts, but we don't have time to teach all that. So let me give you the final four. Let me give you four that we can touch on. If you say, well, shrink this down. All right. Let me give you the four. The first one is how do you, and how do you build an unshakable financial life? God first. Just jot it down. God first. And by the way, I'm not going to teach that today. I'd love to, but, but, but I've asked Jason to teach that. And I'll tell you why. He, he's like 40. And I'm like, how, what have you learned? What have you learned about God first in your life, Jason? If you could talk to a church, either a generation ahead, your own generation, a generation behind, what would you teach about God first? He, Jason's never taught publicly on finance like this. I'm like, man, come teach. Tony, you, you want to live an unshakable financial life? You don't want to miss next week. That is first. But I'm going to move on in the teaching. Let me get the second. Plan your budget to win. Write it down. Snap a picture of it wherever you are. That's on the screen. Snap a picture. Plan your budget to win. Plan your budget. Plan your budget. Plan your budget. Say with me. Do what? Plan your budget. You, <laughs> you, you knew we were going to get to the practical stuff, right? You, you knew you were going to get to the, oh, great. We're going to talk about budget. Yes, we are. And, and I want you to hear something. If you're taking notes, I want you to get something. Stay with me. I often ask for a miracle, and God often asks me to do a marathon. I often say, oh, God, I need a financial miracle. He says, okay, I get that. But you know what? Do the marathon. Because managing finances means you plan, and then we'll get to it eventually. You pay a price. Like, like financial management is more a marathon and less a sprint. 
And God's always whispering his wisdom to you. He writes it in his word. That's why we have the Bible. All throughout the Bible, hundreds of verses, thousands really, about how to manage money. And it's important how you do that. And we often dig a hole and then ask for a miracle. And God says, you can do better than that. Just get in the marathon. Practice my principles faithfully. And then usually along that way, while you're walking with me, I can do a miracle that makes it awesome. But you don't escape the marathon. And you do this under pressure. You do this how? Under yeah. Managing money is under pressure. How many have ever been under pressure financially? You've ever been or you are under pressure financially. If your hand's not up, be my friend. <laughs> I mean, we can go, I can go back through my life. Who, you, we don't have time for this. I, I go back to college. I remember um, coming to my second year of college. I told the college, I have, to, I have to drop out of college. I can't afford it. I mean, I'm working. I'm out of money. I can't get a loan. Our family's too poor. Nobody can sign onto a loan. Uh, we have no options. At that time, uh, my mom couldn't help me. My dad wouldn't help me. It was a horrific season. Just all financial pressure. I had this calling to be a pastor. No way to get there. In our 20s, I mean, we got married, and then Marcia had to finish college, and we just took on debt. We ended up with $20,000 in debt. I want just $20,000 in debt between 82 and 84. Like, that's where we accumulate. Listen, that's like $57,000 of debt today. We know the pressure of college debt. We paid it all off. I made $12,000 a year in my full-time job. That's where I started. Our household income eventually became $28,000 combined. Yeah, we were under pressure. In our 30s, you know, 12 stone, and some of you know the old stories. Uh, they're old stories to you, and it's like, whatever, but it was our life. God puts a call in our life, and, and, and then we came down, and he didn't. <laughs> and just, it didn't work. So we lost the house, we lost our cars, we lost our savings, we lost the little we had put in, in retirement, we lost our health insurance and couldn't afford it. Marsha had to go back to work. I started a side business laying tile. I mean, just a long, slow slug financial pressure. In our 40s, I mean, we added a child. Who does that? <laughs> Who does that? I'm 42. I have another child. Thank you, Jesus. I love that boy. But in, this, in the same season of time, we had this child that I was not prepared for, and two of our kids go to college. You got college and preschool. What am I doing? How do I get here? God hates me. Did, I, did that come out? I don't, did, I don't, did, I don't know. It was, I, something should stay uh, in your head. And then you get in 50s and 60s, and you're like, oh, Inflation is up and the economy and market is down and, and interest rates are up. Hey, we all have financial pressure, and that's why you need a plan. That's why you need to plan with God's wisdom. By the way, speaking of a plan, let's see how the guys are doing. Let's just come. Oh, you know what I should do? Let's get this. Let's just see if we got any progress. Come on, let's, give, let's encourage our guys over here. Let's see how we're doing. Oh, look at this. We got a house. We're building a house. All right, you guys, can you see it? Let's get a little, oh, look, I just knocked it over. I got to be able to move it. Boom. All right, give it up for him. You guys are doing a great job. Keep at it. It's got to be tall, guys. It's got to be tall. You got the teachers. Let's go over here, see how the other guys are doing. Let's give it up for Travis and Jeremy. Come on, guys. 
All right, let me... Actually, pretty weak, pretty weak uh, support. But, oh, okay, yeah. uh, <laughs> Okay, right. um, uh, show me the house. Been, well, yeah, no, here's so the deal. We've been drawing plans. Yeah, we got so, some plans that we're going to, and we have multiple options. Yeah, every good leader knows if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Exactly. So, yeah. And we're good leaders. It's a leadership lesson that you should probably know. Yeah, you should learn this that. This is a really tall one, and so yeah. we're thinking that we were going to go more we're like this. We're just talking different options. You want to go super wide to high, or you want to go yep. narrow to high, or just go like Washington Monument. Yeah. We don't know. That's There's a, a lot normal of man size. So yeah. That's a big. Way bigger than a normal man. Okay, we but, probably don't have enough. Okay, space. you know. We have to actually build something, though. Yeah, we got plenty yeah, of time. We got yeah. plenty of time. Okay. You said like 25 minutes, yeah. man. Dude, yeah. he never like, hits his times either, okay. so we're good. <laughs> we're going to be all right. We're good. Plenty of time. <laughs> By the way, why are you so obsessed with height? <laughs> okay, we're done. <laughs> Do not encourage that. Do not encourage that. <laughs> That's why we don't do unscripted here. It is true. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So what are you planning in your finances? Maybe it doesn't occur to you that planning is actually a spiritual thing you do with God. In Luke 14, Jesus tells another story using a house illustration and talks about a tower. And he says, who goes and builds a house, builds a tower, and doesn't budget it ahead of time so he knows whether or not he can complete it? Because otherwise you're halfway through, and then you run out of money, and what? You lose everything. You failed miserably. Planning is part of God's design. Huh. Look at this scripture. I just want you to sit in this, what it means to manage and how you manage things like finance. Look at what Proverbs 21.5 says. Here's the ESV. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundant. The plans, the what? Plan. You got to put, you got to do all the work. There's work in planning. You prayerfully plan your financial budget with God. Here's what I've got coming in. Here's what I'm earning so far. Here's our household income. How do we disperse that? What can we afford in all the categories of life? That's a budget. You pre-plan. You say, this is it. And you put limits and boundaries on everything. That's what a budget is. So that you know whether or not you can live the life you're buying into. So that you don't run out. So that you retain values and priorities. Otherwise, look, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. If you manage your money on impulse, you'll come to poverty. I like the way the MSG says it, the message version, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. See, a lot of people don't think about it. planning is a deeply spiritual thing. God is a planner. God had plans when he created us in creation. God had a plan for us when we fell and sinned. He had a plan to solve it. He has a plan for the church. He has plans for you. He wants to help you win financially. Don't doubt it. God is with you in this. But a whole bunch of us lose financially, honestly, because we do not plan. We do not budget we're called to be stewards and managers of what God entrusts to us. And stewards and managers put a plan together, execute on the plan. But there's hard work in planning. Listen, I grew up poor. This is, I got to say this really carefully. But in great part, it was my parents' choice. They got pregnant in high school. They dropped out of high school at 17 and got married. They had no real skills, no real plan. And they persisted in making poor choices, which kept them poor. 
I'm not saying that's true for everybody. I'm telling you that was our experience. I had no training in finance, not even going through college. I got a degree in ministry and I get out. You know what I do in my first year? Spend. Yeah, we're $20,000 in debt, but that's no big deal. We'll be fine. Because the only way I'm managing is how much debt my money can afford. As opposed to what plan do I really have to manage well and get ahead? You know what we did in our, in our first three years? We went 20000 in debt for college because she had to finish. We bought a house. We got our first credit card and started swiping it. And did minimum payments. And we bought a new car. On debt. I'm so gifted. This is not the, the, the lessons I taught my kids from scripture. I did not know when I got married. I had the same training as my parents did. And I dug a hole that took years to dig out of. Good news. Eventually, you can learn the principles of God. Like eventually, I taught my kids stuff that, that they've caught. How are you doing with these, by the way? Budget 10, 10, 80. How do you budget? Always live below your means. Choose and be content. Build an emergency account. Earn it before you buy it. Be generous. Protect savings. Despise debt. How you doing? Because this is a lot of work. And eventually I learned those principles. <laughs> Thank God people like Ron Blue came along and wrote Master your money, Mastering Your Money in the 80s. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm an idiot. <laughs> And then you learn financial principles from scripture and I figure out how they apply to life. A Dave Ramsey comes along and you're like, thank you, Jesus. And then, you know, back then it was envelopes. Anybody remember that? Anybody old enough to remember the envelopes? Man, back in the day, you get envelopes and, and here's how you do it. You get your income and then you take your cash and you divvy it up. This is for God tithe. When church comes, you, you take it out of that envelope and then this is your mortgage or, or, or your rent and then you pay and here's your utilities and you take, you got a, a, an envelope for everyone. This is your fun money. So here's your dollar. And then, and then here's your savings, and then and you do it all. And then when the envelope's empty, you're done, and you take your income, you disperse it. That's where I learned how to save for Christmas. It's when I learned, okay, five bucks for Christmas. So every year, I, or every paycheck, I'd put money in. So that by Christmas, I still do that. We actually could have Christmas. I didn't do it all out of one paycheck. But it, this budgeting planning transforms your life. But you got to plan. In fact, go on Mint, M-I-N-T, Mint. If you don't know how to do it and you don't understand online or, or mobile budgeting apps, Mint's a great one a lot of people are using. Hey, you know what else is going hot on TikTok now? See, now you don't need the envelopes. Now you just do it all on, on mobile. And, but you know what's hot on TikTok? A thing called envelopes. <laughs> it's a new thing, a new generation discovered. Anyhow, let me move on. So plan your budget by God's values. Here's a third one. How do you build an unshakable financial life? Pay the price to win. Pay the price to win. Everybody say it with me. Do what? Pay the price to win. In fact, let me just be more blunt. The problem is not managing your money. Look at this. The challenge is not managing your money. The challenge is managing your what? Your what? 
The majority of money management is because we just don't like to pay the price. We would rather indulge self than discipline self. And everyone said? Because it's uphill hard. Once you plan it, if you don't pay the price, it doesn't matter. In fact, while we're on planning, let's see how our guys are doing. Let's come over here. Let me see. Oh, oh, oh. oh look at these guys. They're figuring out. They, do you know what? There's no rule on how you get it high. 24. Come on, 24 inches. Give it up for them. Let's check out our guys over here. How we doing, guys? Jeremy. I didn't see a lot of windows on that house. Yeah, for real. They only had to be on the box. Okay. Oh. No, no, no. So we're, uh, we got our colors separated. Yep. And um. there is no point in making a house if it's ugly like that one. So, <laughs> Ain't yeah. no but, one but hang on. The, 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 well, you do have what? green, red, yeah, yeah. Blue, blue, orange, yellow, yeah. black. Yellow. Great. Right. Hold it. Yeah. But, but you, it's the tallest that wins. We I wrote in your, the notes, beauty is not the big deal. It's the tallest, just yep. so you know. Yeah, okay. but our plan has a really nice looking house, yeah. so, which matters to us. Yeah. And it, so. It's our house, our rules. And uh, honestly, I don't, even you know like, what? I don't even like Home Depot that much. They're, so, they're all working hard. Jokes on you. Maybe they should have a snack. Oh, Let's give yeah. them a snack because they. they <laughs> you know what? You know what? Come on out here. Get, let's just have Bruce give him a snack. Let me, here, here's why. Culture says you deserve a break today, right? In fact, back in 82, that jingle came out. You deserve a break. Okay, I'm not going to say. Do you know what the fast food restaurant was? McDonald's. You deserve, like, the, really? You deserve a break? Like, that? that's not a break. That'll break you. But listen, guys over on this side, dads, congregational dads, you, you have some snacks over there if you have time, if, 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 you, if you have time to be distracted. You guys over here, you got snacks if you have time to, to be distracted. Okay. You, you, you decide. And you know what? You got to decide. Do you just keep taking breaks in your budget? Because how do you keep deserving a break without breaking a budget? See, the, the difficult thing is that all of us want to indulge ourselves, but a budget requires discipline. It requires what? It's hard work, it's uphill for everybody. Look what scripture says. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. <laughs> Here's a better way to say it. Wise people live in wealth and luxury, but stupid people, sometimes it's helpful when scripture just says what it means. But stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. Do we really need to teach it? Don't we all understand that there's a price to pay and you pay the price? That's the marathon. You have to say a lot of no's to yourself. It's almost like you have to say 99 financial no's to every one financial yes. Even in a culture that keeps screaming at you, buy more to be happy. You will have to fight against the lies of culture to be financially wise. And you're not really managing money, you're managing yourself. Because there's a price. Managing money is a marathon. And there's a price. My wife, Marsha, likes to run marathons. Who? 
if I died and didn't go to heaven, that's what that marathon would be to me. Do you understand? I can't say it quite the way I'm thinking it, but if I didn't go to heaven, where would I go? That's what I think will happen. It's just horrible. But she loves it. And by the way, she, she's pretty good at it. Now, I've, I've, I can outpace her, honestly. I ride the motorcycle. I've done, <laughs> I've done marathons in less than 20 minutes. And I can get down to 18, 17 minutes for a whole marathon. But she likes marathons. So she decided uh, coming into 2022, a year ago, that she wanted to go to the Boston uh, Marathon. But you have to qualify. And to qualify at 60, you have to do four hours and 20 minutes. Four hours and 20 minutes. Say it with me. Four hours, 20 minutes. That's rough at 60. So she did her first one a year ago, March. March 2022. First time to run the fastest she's ever run in her life. I'm like, honey, you don't get old and then do the most difficult run you've ever done. The older you get, you have to soften it. You have to ease up on yourself. She did a lot of training. She got in the race and about, I paced with her. I was on my bike. I carry all her stuff. I'm one of her coaches. I'm like, you go, girl. I met her at mile 13, and then I, I bike ahead, and I have stuff ready for her, so she gets the nutrition as she runs. And around mile 18 to 20, I could see she was having difficulty, and then something went. Later, we learned that she tore her hamstring, her left hamstring. She was way ahead of her time. It was staggering. She was going to get it. And she limp-walked the last six miles, how I have... No idea. I was alongside her on my bike and practically in tears myself. And she missed it by three minutes. Collapsed at the end, had to get medical treatment. We did an MRI later. We found out she had three months of physical therapy. And I'm like, can we be done? I, don't, I can't even watch this. Just, you know, it's, it's, I, and she's just paying the price. She decided at the end of the physical therapy that she would relearn and retrain. So she started running again, one mile and two miles and three miles and decided I'm going to do another marathon. I already missed this Boston. Let me see if I can get the next one. I'm like, what are you doing? But she's got a plan. She's got a goal. So in December, she went for her next one. She did her next one down in Florida to get a little bit warmer weather. It ended up being two hot, high winds, around 20 miles. Heat exhaustion took her out and she missed her time again. I wasn't there. I was here teaching. I was sort of glad I was here teaching, honestly. I emotionally cannot absorb this. I'm watching her. I'm like, dear God, please help her. And, what are you going to do, baby? She says, well, that's what a marathon is. You train, you work. She says, I'm going to try another one. I'm like, what are we doing? But she says, if you want to know why the church is here, you're like, how'd you guys ever sustain the church? It wasn't me. She just wouldn't quit. I said, we're done. She says, not yet. I mean, you have no idea. You think, oh man, PK's strong. And he's, no, I'm not. I'm like, I'm, I go home. I'm like, I'm done. God's not in it. She says, no, he's in it. Let's just keep fighting. She's just got a grit that is unusual. So she said, I'm going to do a third one. And she trained again. And she did it at the end of January. She, we did it out in South Georgia at Warner Robins and on the military base. And we, I said, it's going to be a better weather for you. It'll be late 40s. It'll get in the 50s. Temperature-wise, you'll be fine. It started at 37 degrees, never went above like 42 Worst cold winds. I'm so frustrated. I'm like, I can't. And then I found out I can't go on the base. 
So I can't give her her stuff, so I can't meet her at mile 13. I'm like, well, she can't make it. She's got this adult still stuff and things. She's got to travel through physically and she's got her own issues. I'm like, I got to help her. I got to be there at mile 13 mile. I got my bike. I got my pack. I got, I'm all ready for her. I had to go to the volunteers. I'm like, I need a military type person to make sure this gets to that station at 13 miles so that they can get it. I text her and say, I can't get it to you, but you can get it at mile 13. Anyhow, near the end of the race, I got a phone call. We never found her. She never got her stuff in the worst weather. So it's, I'm not there. Her friends aren't there. It's just her and Jesus. I was so mad if I, I probably would go to the hot place if Jesus had come at that moment. I'm glad nobody knew what I did for a living. She gets to the end of the race. I'm like, I don't know what her time is because the thing messed up and it couldn't. The only way to calculate her time was over. And we got inside the museum there to see her time. Four hours, 18 minutes and 47 seconds. Woo! Now listen, managing money is like that. There's a price that you pay and you don't win a marathon on the couch. <laughs> you win it running. And you would think the whole story is about her winning three marathons eventually, taking three and winning, and it's not. See, money management is not what you can publicly see. Money management is all the work you do behind the scenes that nobody sees. In nine months, do you know how many miles she ran to win? How many miles did she run in the nine months of training to do three marathons? 1,565 miles in nine months. 175 miles a month. That is financial management. You pay a price and demand in detail behind the scene because money management is a marathon of discipline that nobody watches. And when you win, they think, oh, all you did was three marathons. No, you did 1,565 miles behind the scenes of discipline over indulgence. And curiously, when you're doing that, God tends to do miracles. We think he gave her a miracle at the end. When I was uninvolved, heard other coaches, she was all alone praying and running. God said, I'll help you win this one, but not without the work. There's a final lesson, but that final lesson has to come with Legos. Let's give it up. Let's go check it out. Let's see. You know what? I don't even want to do yours first. I can see some. Let me come over here and see how these guys have done. Right. Yeah, dude. What do we got here? Yeah, ma'am. Okay. Lots um, of stuff. We have, well, yeah, we were trying to. Honestly, you weren't real clear with the instructions. Yeah. Uh, so. The instructions were more than clear. I wrote them down. Well, well what you were supposed to build is obvious. We got a little distracted. We, had a, we found a passion project. Yeah, we so got excited. It's the 12 stones. We made the 12 stone logo. Which we thought was pretty cool. Which is honestly, it's the house of the Lord. So you used more, your Legos you know. to build the thing we weren't even building. Well, we're still going to do that. I, right. I'm we'll to Don't it. even we'll say to anything it. to them. We'll get to Let's it. Let's just go over here. You guys are, I'm not going to say worthless, but... So close. Let's go over here. Let's see how these guys, come on now. Let's give it up for people who understand how to be creative. Let me see what we got here. 41 inches. Let's give it up, 250 bucks each. Here are the winners. Impressive. So impressive. Now, are we being a little bit ridiculous? Sure we are, for a reason. Because there is weight in Matthew chapter 7 that is easily overlooked. 
You see, the whole time, Travis and Jeremy had instructions. They knew what they were supposed to do. They had Legos to manage. And they knew. They just didn't do anything. They just didn't do it. If you know and you don't do, let's go back to Matthew chapter 7. Look at the weight. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, puts them into practice. Did you see that? The weight of the scripture is that you take the whole of my teaching and my wisdom and you put it into practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, the beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. Look at this and converse. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, everybody who knows what you're there to do, but handles finances like Jeremy and Travis handled Legos. Everybody who talks, 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 say, I know, I know, I know. Say, PK, I didn't learn anything new today. I know everything you said. Has big ideas. Talks like you're doing something. But behind the scenes, you're actually not building on the principles You didn't put it in practice. Well, it's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with great crash. Hey, maybe sometimes we're not where we are by accident. Maybe it's on purpose. Maybe we're handling our finances like Travis and Jeremy, and we're not really building. Because here's the truth. You can't buy happiness. You can only build happiness. Today was an absolute waste for you if you're not going to actually build something. Everybody has two Legos. At least across the live campuses, under your seat, if you can reach them, get a couple Legos. Put them in front of you. Sure, we're doing silly things with Legos so that it's memorable. Help your neighbor. If they're my age, they can't get down there. Help them. Some of you, it's the first time you've been in a prayer position because you had to get out of your chair, get on your knees, and get down there. Good for you. Welcome to Catholic. We are now on our knees in the middle of the service. Get your two Legos. Put it in front of you. Can I tell you something? Two Legos that just sit in each hand build nothing. Now everybody just put the two Legos together, however you want to. As soon as you put them together, as soon as you take action, you're building something. All we want you to do is take two simple Legos. Put them together. Put them in your pocket. Put them in your purse. And let it be a reminder to you this week. What are you going to do with what God just taught you? God first. We'll talk next week. Plan your budget. Pay the price and actually build something. Put it in action. Let this be the beginning of doing what Jesus said. Otherwise, how do we say it here? Guys, put the last thought. The only way to win is to know and do. Knowing without doing is losing. Thank you, Travis and Jeremy. <laughs> That's how you lose. But we also know how to win. So campus pastors, would you pray over us? Maybe all of us seal this before the Lord. Let's do the very things Jesus taught. 
Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.